You are listening to a sermon from Emmaus Church LCMS. For more information, please go to www.emmauspasco.org. Lord, we pray for a measure of your spirit to be with us as we meditate on your word. So that is, as we hear the, uh, the word that comes from you and our thoughts, that they may glorify you and be beneficial in strengthening our faith. In your name we pray. Amen. Our text today is the gospel lesson for today. We'll focus on this short verse. At once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. Satan never gives up. He keeps at it, trying to tempt us and to pull us away from God. And that's been the case ever since the days of our first parents, Adam and Eve, as he tries to deceive God's people to trade God's gifts, God's kingdom, God's beneficial values for selfish desires, false values, and glitter. So, in today's epistle lesson, James warns us, each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like, sift, like shifting shadows. Satan attempts to attempt to tempt us with a desire that appeals to us and would seem to fulfill our needs and wants for the moment. But as it goes on in the end, it will eventually end in our own downfall. Gustave Flaubert seems to illustrate the point of succumbing to such temptation and making a bad trade in this world. He would say that from his novel, Madame Bovary. This is what he writes. The romantic farmer's daughter was deceived by the fantasy that glitter is gold. She imagined that the good life was lived in ballrooms and society salons and filled with the brilliant chatter of haughty duchesses. She thought theirs was a higher life. She took a series of lovers, borrowed deeply to dress herself and to buy them gifts, and finally bankrupted her long-suffering husband, plunging the family into ruin. She died a horrible death by poison. The higher life was, in truth, the lower life. Madame Bovary made a bad trade. We too, by Satan, are tempted to make bad trades, especially if we make a deal with him. That is, when one trades God's gift for Satan's glitter, one trades away God's good gifts. Adam and Eve discovered that when they honored Satan by accepting his deception and dishonored God, who had given them everything. 
They had traded obedience to God with disobedience to God. And by doing so, they traded away their perfect joy, their perfect life, their perfect relationship with God, and instead ended with sorrow and death and a broken relationship with God. Was that a good trade? So when one chooses to trust Satan instead of God, one honors Satan rather than God. Adam and Eve lost much when they were cast out of God's garden and then experienced what it meant to turn away God's gifts. Satan was out only to deceive them into pain and suffering and deprive them of God's love and blessing. So the warning for us is something like this. Watch out, for Satan is literally a snake in the grass trying to trick people into rejecting God and his gifts. And because Satan never gives up, it's no wonder then that St. Peter would write all those centuries later in his first letter, be sober, be watchful, for the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. Mark alerts us today as to how bold Satan is. Mark starts his gospel by reminding us that Isaiah and Malachi prophesied that a messenger would come to prepare the way for the Lord. And then he says that John the Baptist was that messenger. He came to prepare people by calling them to confess their sins, be baptized, and accept Jesus. Jesus asked John to baptize him. And there, God identified Jesus as his son. You are my son with whom I am well pleased. Mark and or Matthew and Luke add, listen to him. So the Spirit then sent Jesus off into the desert to begin his ministry. And the first part of that ministry was a, that Jesus did was for that he would have a face-off with Satan. And because it was there, Satan was bold enough to tempt Jesus, the Son of God, not once, but three times. Now, Matthew and Luke give us a few more details about that temptation. Satan is bold to attack Jesus at a very weakened condition after a 40-day fast. He appeals to Jesus' need for food. If you are the Son of God, just tell these stones to become bread. Second, Satan took Jesus to the holy city and sought there to create a desire in Jesus to reveal his godly power. He said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, because it's written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up so you will not strike your foot against a stone. And the third time, he took Jesus to a high mountain with a very spectacular view appealed to the desire of fame and glory, and he said to Jesus, all of this I'll give you 
if you'll just bow down and worship me. You see, in each case, Satan sought to create a desire that Jesus proved to him who he was. If you are the Son of God. But notice the weapon Jesus used against Satan. It was God's word. And each time Jesus replied, it is written. And then he quoted the appropriate passage. So what's the lesson for us? Seems to me it's simply this. Be aware Satan will appeal to our weaknesses and seek to create in us a desire and and try to trick us into dishonoring Jesus by word and by action, especially when we are in a weakened physical condition or a weakened spiritual condition. And he may even use God's word in an effort to lead us to doubt and to distrust God just like he did with Eve when he said, did God really say that? Or to Jesus when he said, prove it. So it is necessary for a child of God to know God's word thoroughly so that neither Satan nor any person can misuse that word and deceive God's followers into trading God's sure care and promise for Satan's deception and ruin. Do not trade the glory of God's kingdom for the temporary glitter of the created things of this earth. Do not trade honoring God for honoring Satan. Jesus not only resisted Satan, but he conquered the deception and the arrogance of Satan. In crude language, Jesus showed Satan who's boss. Jesus is the Holy One of God, just as the cured, as the demon once cried out after Jesus had cured and and, um, threw him out of the person. Jesus would honor his father, not Satan. And so Satan left Jesus. Satan's temptation to us is much like his original temptation to Eve. He tempts people often with the question, did God really say that? To Eve, Satan's question was this, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? See how subtle that was? And at first Eve said, well, God said we could eat from all the trees, but not the one in the middle of the garden, for if we do, we will die. And, as you are aware, Satan responded, you will not surely die. For God himself knows if you do, you will be just like him to know good from evil. See the subtleness of that temptation, of that desire? Why trust God? For you, Eve, don't you know what's good for you better than God knows? You can be like him. So just go ahead, eat. 
So the scripture then records, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took and ate. And she also gave some to her husband and he ate it. Satan raised doubt for Eve about God's goodness and care for her, and he created a desire within her to be like God. Satan's temptation to Jesus had a twist to it. You say you're God's son? Prove it. And he can tempt us also with something like, you say you trust God? Well, demand that God proves that he cares for you in one of many ways. By, prove it by healing me from this disease. Give me this, this wealth that I ask for, and then I will honor you. But God, prove that you do and fulfill things you say. And to yield to such a desire as that is to yield to the temptations of Satan himself. Jesus trusted his Father who brought him through great agony. And you will, may well remember that in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus sweat blood. Great agony. But his Father brought him through all that and delivered him in his resurrection to ascend back to the Father whose kingdom is not of this world. So Satan's question to us may be framed in many different ways, but it always has the same effect. It gets us to think that God just doesn't have our best interest in mind. Think about yourself in your own life. Have you ever been tempted to ask, did God really say that? Don't I know what I would like to do better and could be better for me? And then do it. How many people have been brought down by thinking they knew better than God what was good for themselves? Think of this. The Holy One of God was baptized as he assumed our plight and was then commissioned to take on our enemies for our redemption. In that role, the Holy One of God carried out his mission to be the Redeemer of mankind. He is the Holy One who redeems his people even though his people so often succumb to Satan's temptation and allow themselves to be pulled away, at least for the moment, from God. And though Satan wishes to devour us, Jesus came to avert that destruction. In his conquering of Satan's power, he seeks to win our love and faith with his redeeming love, because he wants us to know sin with its destruction does not need to be the final word. God's love and redemption are the final word. Christians are baptized in Jesus' name to be called children of God, to receive the forgiveness of sin, which he earned for us. And that is, we receive the benefits of sin and death of Jesus that he bore for us and which he conquered for us. In your baptism, God trades your sin for his forgiveness that covers us with his righteousness. Your hope 
is in God's will and God's promise. In Jesus, God would trade our sin for his son's love. He would trade our eternal death and ruin for his son's death and resurrection to his eternal kingdom. Death would become as temporary as earth's glitter. When Jesus returns a second time, as the book of Hebrews says, a second time to reveal the fullness of God's creation, and get this, to those who are found waiting for him. Today's Old Testament lesson provides a lesson God gave to his people of his love, his people of old. He had commanded Abraham to sacrifice his son for whom he had waited for so long. Abraham's heart was cut to the quick. How could God demand such obedience? And yet Abraham obeyed and trudged up the mountain with Isaac. And as he was about to sacrifice his son, Abraham was stopped by God. God said, do not do anything to him. I know that you fear God because you have not withheld me, you have not withheld from me your only son. Abraham's faith was on full display as a child of God, and God did provide the lamb for the sacrifice. And Abraham then would call that place, the Lord will provide, was a testimony to God's faithfulness. So grasp the parallel here. In a real way, God provided for us to be saved from eternal death caused by our sin. But just as he provided the sacrificial lamb for Abraham and saved Isaac, so he provided his only begotten son as the sacrificial lamb to save us from our death because of our sin. Why? Because he so loved you and me just like Abraham loved his son. And we can call Calvary the place where God provided. What he asks of us is simply to believe in him with such trust as to accept his gift so that we should not perish but have everlasting life because God traded his love for our sin. He would call us to faith by trusting in him and obeying him. St. Paul wrote to the Roman Christians, Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. God also calls us to believe Jesus conquered sin, death, and Satan. And, as, and thus, as James writes today, we hear, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be the kind of first fruits of all he created. So again, through faith, we are called to trade the glittering temptations of Satan, who never gives up trying to deceive us, for the love of Jesus, who never gives up trying to win our love and our obedience. So rejoice in God's power, which is, which is as St. Mark writes, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sin. Repent and believe the good news. That's a good trade, isn't it? Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep our hearts and our minds through faith in Christ until life everlasting. Amen.
This has been a message from Emmaus Church LCMS. We thank you for listening and invite you to find out more by visiting our website at www.emmauspasco.org. That's www.emmauspasco.org. Thank you.